What's up, Boston? It's Friday, December 2nd, and that means it's time again for your weekly Friday Five, where we give you the lowdown on what you need to know from the last week's news heading into this weekend. I'm Christina. And I'm Landry. With the Boston University News Service, or BUNS for short. From politics to sports, we've got a lot to talk about this week. Yeah, we do. Oh, man. A lot happened in the world, so let's get right to it. Shall we? President-elect Donald Trump kicked off his victory tour of swing states critical to his win last night in Cincinnati, Ohio. Thanking the crowd, Trump said, America is going to start winning again, big league, according to Business Insider. Trump also announced his newest cabinet pick, confirming the nomination of retired Marine General James Mattis for defense secretary. Time magazine reports that his hawkish views towards Iran, Pentagon officials say, led the Obama administration to ease him out of that sensitive post and into retirement. The general is a bit of a surprise pick, due to his anti-torture views. And Slate reports that he may have changed Trump's mind on the subject, with Trump saying he was surprised and impressed by the general's stance on the matter. Trump's business conflicts of interest also came into the forefront this week as attention increased, and he suggested via Twitter he would take little effort toward avoiding them. A few include a phone call with Recep Erdogan, president of Turkey. Reported by the Huffington Post, Trump used it as a chance to plug his Istanbul business partners. There was also a meeting with Nigel Farage, former leader of the UK Independence Party, where he encouraged Farage to oppose offshore wind farms that Trump believes will block the views of his two Scottish golf courses, according to the New York Times. And there is also a blind trust issue, which The Atlantic explains in history dictates that politicians typically divest themselves from assets that might pose conflicts of interest upon entering office. Rumors have emerged that Trump has requested security clearance for his three children and his son-in-law, Ivanka Trump's husband, Jared Kushner. The Atlantic adds is not nearly the distance required from the president-elect that is needed for a blind trust. Well, we've got two more months till he puts his hand on that Bible and swears the oath in front of the country, so it'll be interesting to see what other appointments he'll have, I guess. There's still plenty of people to hire. So I don't know if you remembered this week, but there was a tweet going around from Ohio State University that said, run, hide, fight. Now, just looking at that tweet at first, I was very confused because I was just like, I have no idea what this means. And then news started coming in that there was a shooter on campus at Ohio State. CNN actually reported after that the shooter was not actually a shooter, but there was an attack on campus. It was a Muslim immigrant student who claimed to be sick and tired of the treatment of Muslims on his own Facebook. Abdul Razak Ali Artan injured 11 people with his attack on campus. Three are still in the hospital as of Tuesday. Now, authorities say that at first he rammed his car into a group of people on Ohio State's campus before getting out of his car and attacking people with a knife. Police shot and killed Artan after he failed to listen to their orders to stop. Investigators believe that Artan's attack was inspired by ISIS, but both ISIS and the authorities have not really confirmed if that was the true motive. And also the DAPL Standing Rock protests seem to be continuing and maybe even picking up steam this week. What happened there? Yeah, ironically, you'd think that with snow, ice, and freezing temperatures being in North Dakota, this would really stop any progress or efforts done by the protesters. But the people seem to be going in really, really strong. I mean, even yesterday, military veterans joined them to shield the protesters from all the reports we're seeing or hearing from like Facebook about the treatment of the protesters. According to the New York Post, a 32-year-old Navy veteran named Matthew Crane said that the veterans who planned to shield the protesters were 
standing on the shoulders of Martin Luther King Jr. and Gandhi. He's also hopeful that the protests can shut down the pipeline's construction by Christmas because he even bought like a one-way ticket. So he's one of those examples of showing that these veterans are very serious in helping these protesters that they will stay as long as it needs to. But according to CBS Minnesota, the government has ordered the protesters to leave some of the federal land near Cannonball, North Dakota by Monday. The demonstrators have no intention to leave and plan to stay as long as it takes to stop it. But the protesters are also seeing some opposition from the president-elect, too. The New York Post also reported that Trump has voiced his support of the construction of the pipeline. So we'll see if he will say anything else about it, because I know President Obama hasn't really said anything else about the construction. Well, I'm sure you'll be on the case next week. And now for an update on local news with Rob. According to Bunn's reporter Isha Pandarkar, Harvard University's Kennedy School hosted aides from both presidential candidates last night, along with CNN's Jake Tapper. Trump campaign manager Kellyanne Conway and Hillary Clinton's campaign manager Robbie Mook reflected on the campaign. It was a chance for both sides to talk about strategies and mistakes made during the campaign and to try to explain what the plan is moving forward. It was a contentious debate, and you should all read Isha's full write-up at BUNewsService.com. But one of the most contentious moments from the night came when the conversation turned to Trump's support from neo-Nazis and white supremacists. According to Isha, Conway continued to defend the appointment of Steve Bannon, saying he was unfairly maligned, and that the election results showed... America said there is a difference between what may offend me and what absolutely affects me. Meanwhile, Mook interrupted Conway to say, and I'm quoting here, the Ku Klux Klan is unacceptable and he needs to say that. Trump's cabinet actually made local news a few times this week. And you thought working local you'd be able to avoid talking about this. Yeah, no such luck. In an appearance on WGBH, Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren sounded off on many of Trump's cabinet decisions. She slammed Trump's pick for Treasury Secretary, Steven Mnuchin. Mnuchin is a former partner at Goldman Sachs, which is not the kind of resume that wins you any applause from Warren. Warren said Trump was literally handing the keys to the Treasury over to a Wall Street banker who helped cause the crash. Warren also discussed some of the more local names that have been floated for positions in the Trump administration. I hear she's actually endorsing Scott Brown. Well, he does have a truck. Warren said if Scott Brown is the nominee for Veteran Affairs, I have no doubt that he would put his heart and soul into trying to help the veterans. And I would put my heart and soul into trying to help him do that. You'd bet I support him. And in other Warren news... She has recently come out in opposition to a bill called the 21st Century Cures Act. Warren worked on the bill for two years and actually wrote huge sections of it. But in a recent interview with The Globe, Warren pulled her support, saying, This bill started off as a good idea, but then it got hijacked. Hijacked by whom, exactly? According to Warren, Big Pharma. The bill makes it easier for the pharmaceutical industry to market drugs for uses that haven't been approved yet by the FDA. First reference, Rob. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Boom. Edited. NPR, hire me. The bill would also allow for the sale of adult stem cell therapies that haven't been tested for safety or for efficacy yet. But supporters of the bill are pushing Warren to reconsider as it allocates a billion dollars to combat the opioid epidemic. Finally, let's wrap up with some updates on new Boston traffic laws. Self-driving cars? I mean, yeah, probably, but I assume you'll cover that in the self-driving car, I mean, uh, the science and tech section. No, these are regulations that are going to affect actual human drivers. Fine. What you got? We've got two big changes coming up on the streets of Boston come January. The first is an increase in meter parking rates to $3.75. The hope here is to raise more revenue for the state, but the increase may actually also reduce traffic in the city. If I can throw out a quick recommendation, there's a fascinating Freakonomics podcast where they break down how low-priced street parking in Boston specifically 
contributes to the city's traffic problems. The episode is called Parking is Hell. Yo, Dubner and Levitt, if you want to repay the love and give Friday Five a shout-out, we wouldn't say no. Yeah, guys, prepare for that Friday Five bump in listenership. The other update coming in January goes into place on the 9th. It will reduce the base speed limit in Boston to 25 miles an hour. Having been in the car with you driving, Rob, I'd support dropping it to 5, but I suppose this is a good start. Hey, I'm a fantastic driver. It's everyone else that's crazy. But, yeah, Mayor Marty Walsh is very excited about the new regulation, saying in a statement Wednesday, This is an important milestone in our Vision Zero efforts of bringing the number of traffic-related deaths to zero. And with approval of this petition, we are one step closer to achieving that goal. And that's it for local. Time to hand it off to Aaron and Charlie for our self-driving car section. No, it's science and tech. All right, guys, and now it's time for science. 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 Science and tech. With Aaron Wade. You know, Charlie, December just started, and I already feel like I'm running out of data. What are you doing on your phone all day? Watching movies on Netflix, if we're being honest. Well, Aaron, Netflix recently announced it's going to allow users to watch content offline on mobile devices. You'll soon be able to download videos ahead of time and watch them on the go. It means you can watch stuff on the airplane when you go to CES next month. Netflix and chill on the plane. (laughs) Dope, I'm in. Speaking of CES, I have it on good authority, and by that I mean I have it from a spokesperson, that Newtonomy, the Cambridge-based self-driving car company, won't be at CES this year. But you know what, Charlie? Is it just the self-driving car section? Do you ever talk about anything else? But you know what, Charlie? What, Aaron? Newtonomy announced on November 21st that it's partnering up with the city of Boston to begin testing self-driving cars by the end of 2016. It'll be testing out those cars in Seaport's Raymond L. Flynn Marine Park. I don't know about you, Charlie, but I'm pretty excited about that. I'm probably just going to start hanging out there waiting for a self-driving car to go past. It's a nice park, too. But you probably won't even be able to tell if it's an autonomous vehicle driving past, Aaron. (sighs) You're right. You're right. The cars are required to have a human engineer behind the wheel. But they're using the Renault Zoe car as their self-driving car. And you know what's cool about that? I don't know. What? It's electric. (laughs) Please, no more electric slide references this episode. I can't make any promises. I'd like to promise to our listeners that any and all future references to the electric slide won't make it past the cutting room floor. Fine. Let's move on from self-driving cars to a different type of vehicle. Trucks. Specifically, truckloads of data storage. Amazon's snowmobile was launched on Wednesday. The snowmobile is a 45-foot-long, waterproof, climate-controlled shipping container with a big old data center inside. It's designed to help people move their data from a physical data center to the cloud. Basically, it takes a while to transfer data to the internet, and Amazon's trying to cut out the middleman and make that data transfer way easier for folks trying to put a ton of information on the cloud. Snowmobile can store up to 100 petabytes of data. That's a whole lot of PB. Too bad we don't have any jelly to go with it. And with that pun, it's time to throw it over to Chris and Bree for sports. All right, Boston, it is time for your sports update with me and Bree. Hello. So, unfortunately, this past week, school-wise, has been hell, and it has kept me from keeping up with, you know, Boston like I usually do. But this time around, we have more of a preview for you guys. 
So the Celtics take on the Kings tonight at 7.30 at TD. And when I was looking into this preview, I thought it was interesting because I came across this uh, really interesting fact. The Kings haven't beat the Celtics at TD since 2007. <laughs> Why are you looking like that? Bree, what, what do you mean? It is 2016. Every time they visit the Boston Celtics at TD Garden, they haven't won since 2007. The only thing that I can say with the Kings, I haven't been able to follow them as closely. Leave pass for Christmas, Mom. Thanks. I know DeMarcus Cousins. He's been their shining star for the past few seasons, of course. And we do know that the Celtics tend to struggle with somebody that can really handle them in the paint. As I was looking into their last game against the Pistons, Andre Drummond had a double-double. He had 20 and 17. They mentioned that they couldn't be stopped. They were kind of just hitting everything. It should be one of those games that I think should be at least givens. Let's hope it's an easy win tonight, being that the Kings have not won since 2007. <laughs> and they are at home. So what else do you got for me, Bray? <clears throat> Same with the Patriots. I did not get to watch them play the Jets, but I did hear it was a pretty good nail-biter. I caught the first half of the Jets game, and honestly, it wasn't like what we would see with the Patriots, because I think maybe the Patriots took for granted that, yes, the Jets may be struggling in their division, but the Jets also know fully well they're going up against the Patriots, which is a big game. Yes. Uh, they definitely made the Patriots work for that win, and I don't even think they won more than by, like, one touchdown. The score was 22-17. to 17. I believe they when they entered the fourth, it was 16-17. I was like, whoa, what's going on over there? What I'm interested in is the AFC race because the Raiders are right there on their tail for the best record in the AFC. Imagine if the Pats did manage to go down. That would be very interesting in the shaping of the playoff picture, especially, you know, when it comes to home field. And Brady got his 200th win tying Peyton Manning for most wins, I believe. Mm -hmm. So that could be huge in momentum. Who are they playing uh, this weekend? This weekend, they host the Rams. I'm really interested to see how Todd Gurley plays against pretty average Patriots run defense, especially mm -hmm. with the loss of Collins. All right, and that should do it for football. Remember, kickoff starts at 1 p.m. on Sunday. You know, actually, Brie, for a consistent thing in this sports update this week, a lot of the sports teams have been struggling. Like, even the Bruins, they kind of struggled. Like, they had a handful of losses. And, like, you remember most of the month we were talking about how they were doing really well. In the last week, they had two losses and two wins, including last night's win over the Carolina Hurricanes. They won 2-1 to one in the shootout against the Carolina Hurricanes. And it was a struggle. Uh, Ryan Spooner and David Pasternak scored in the shootout, pushing the Bruins to a 13-10-1 record. Now, their head coach, Claude Julian, was happy with the victory, but told CSNNE that he believes the team needs to step it up. Hmm. He said, we need to understand that if we want to be one of those playoff contention teams, let's not get satisfied with being okay and being close in games. We need to push it a little harder at times. Hmm. So hopefully we'll see this push in the next game, which will be tomorrow. They will be heading up to Buffalo to go up against the Sabres. Puck drops at First Niagara Center tomorrow at 1 p.m. Sounds fun. So I believe that should be it. Tune in next week for another sports update from me and Bree. Woo! Well, we've hit December, folks. Arguably the best month of the year. Well, not these first few weeks. 
don't know about you, Isha, but I've been dealing with so many final papers. Yeah, me week. too. I'm so stressed out. Even with all the stress, don't worry, everybody. I think a break is needed by everybody. Definitely. At least we live in a city where there's plenty of stuff going on all the time, especially around the season. So many Christmas things. So I have this ugly Christmas sweater, Landry, and I was wondering what I could do with it, where I could wear it this weekend. Isha, funny you bring that up, because I have the perfect place for you to go tonight to use your ugly Christmas sweater. And it's going to be at the Boston Brewery. It's the fourth annual ugly sweater party. Bring your friends, bring your family, snuggle up with a winter lager and play board games all night long. There's going to be the North Shore Acapella Group. There's going to be comfort food. Check this out. Mac and cheese and top shelf cookies. I am so into that. Right. I'll go just for that. Tickets are just $25 if, Isha, you remember to wear your ugly sweater. Of course, the night wouldn't be complete without judging the holiday costumes. So, I don't know. I haven't seen your sweater yet, but I'm sure it's quality. It is. It's it's really ugly. Oh, good, good. Well, I'm sure you might be able to impress. They're, they're called the Sweater Scouts. And who knows, you might walk away with a prize. So again, that's at the Sam Adams Boston Brewery. That's tonight, 6 to 9 p.m. $25 tickets. You can find the link on the BU News Service website. Remember to wear your ugly sweater. Should be a good time. And Isha, another stressful thing about the holidays is getting gifts for everybody. Oh, yeah. I still haven't done any of my holiday shopping. Well, I have a perfect place for you to do that as well. It's at the South Boston Holiday Market. This is going on tomorrow and Sunday, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. And it's going to be this really huge event created by New England Open Markets. There's going to be all these arts and crafts from uh, more than 130 of the region's top independent artists, designers, food makers. You're guaranteed to find the perfect gift for the perfect someone there. When is this happening? This is happening at the Innovation and Design Building, and it's completely free, even though I'm sure you're going to want to bring some money to purchase something. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I'm going to spend way more money than I planned to. Oh, yeah, me too. Have you <laughs> bought any gifts for your family or friends yet? I haven't. That's why I have to go to this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> if any of you have read Isha's ballet pieces, <laughs> excellent ballet pieces. We know Isha loves the arts, so we have something that you'll enjoy as well, especially any of you art lovers out there. The Institute of Contemporary Art in Boston is celebrating 10 years on the waterfront. The festivities actually start started yesterday and are going to go for the next uh, nine days. It's a 10-day festival culminating with a free community day on Saturday, December 10th. Throughout nice. these 10 days, there's going to be, you know, the galleries, exhibitions, art-making activities, performances, things going on all day long. The clothing store Uniqlo is going to present some surprises and giveaways. Nice. I'm all about some free yeah. Uniqlo. <laughs> I mean, it's about the comfiest clothes money can buy. Sorry, exactly. a little plug for Uniqlo. You're welcome. For the complete schedule of events, go to the www.ica boston.org slash ICA-10. Find it all there. Again, this is going all the way through December 10th. The last day is the free community day and $10 admission every other day. What else? What movies do I watch this weekend? So there's a really big one that just came out that has a lot of uh, Boston connections, as you can imagine. A lot of Boston accents. It's Manchester by the Sea. Just the synopsis that's about the life of a solitary Boston janitor. Oh. It's transformed when he returns to his hometown to take care of his teenage nephew. So there's going to be some drama there. Uh, so just a working class family living in Massachusetts. Manchester by the Sea is a real place. So maybe you'll want to visit when it's done. Yeah. I, I'll recommend seeing it at Kindle Square Cinema in Cambridge. Excellent venue. Showtime's available on all of your, you know, Fandango, all of your movie ticket websites. They're typically going to be about $11. And But if you wait until next week, 
$9 tickets for Stu. Cool. Enjoy those student discounts, right? Yeah, definitely. I'm waiting. I think you suggested a lot of good things to do. So we're going to have a pretty fun we're and gonna busy weekend. We're going to have a really weekend. fun weekend, yep. right? In our last few weeks here in school, it'll be good to take a break from all these final papers. Yeah. Can you believe the semester is almost over? I really can't. But don't worry. We're going out strong with our final podcast, everybody. I also, as always, want to recommend one other thing to watch. If you have the time, don't worry. This one doesn't require you even leaving the couch. It's, Netflix. It's on Netflix, as you can imagine. I'm going to suggest Black Mirror. If you're into any kind of science fiction, I love science fiction. Oh, science fiction is the best. Right? Every episode, there's six of them total, is a different story, different science fiction universe. There's one called Nosedive, where it's basically if Yelp ruled everything, if you rated everything. <laughs> It's a pretty terrifying universe. There's one with killer robot bees. So if that's not enough to get you to watch, I don't know what is. Yeah. I'm but uh, definitely check that out. Again, they're all about an hour long. They're their own story, so you don't have to worry about spending a lot of time with a lot of people. And, of course, watch those Gilmore Girls, everybody. <laughs> gotta, gotta plug the Gilmore Girls revival. Yeah. Rory. <laughs> and on that note, we will move on. <laughs> See you all next week. With that, this ends this week's Buns Friday Five for December 2nd, 2016. Tune in next time to find out what five topics we think you need to know from the week before. For the Buns Friday Five, I'm Landry Harlan. And I'm Christina Atienza. Have a fantastic week.